Welcome to another edition of Puck Talk. Welcome, Spider welcome, Jack. hockey fans. Spider Jack on the track, alongside new nicknamed Axe. That's me. Jack Woods and Ben Hatchett, and we are talking all things hockey, but specifically all things St. Louis Blues today. That's right. Today's episode is going to be a focus on the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. It's a beautiful day here in Greencastle. Oh, a yes. nice, picturesque 70 degree day and we are one month away from the start of the nhl regular season so i know football started last night jack i was so excited by one thing about thursday night football what's that on nbc they had at least five promos for the nhl regular <laughs> yeah. season Could, cannot get yeah. here soon enough no it football's can't. great glad it's back 10 to 3 that's like a that's like an unorthodox, unorthodox hockey score right right not not too exciting but it's back yeah so, but hockey one month away, everybody. One month away, and training week. camps I think start in a week because last week we did the two week. Rookies have reported. Yeah, w- rookies have reported. So training camp starts, and the big thing that we're going to focus on today is just the narrative, right, of the St. Louis Blues. Okay. Yeah, we uh, talked about it a little bit a few weeks ago. Now we're going to dive in. Right. So all you St. Louis Blues. Oh, wow. All you St. Louis Blues fans, this one's for you. Uh, I have a person back home. Her name is Abby Miles. She loved the Predators until they were eliminated from the playoffs, and now she loved the Blues. Dang. Jump ship. Jump shipped. But here we go. Just to give a little backstory, the St. Louis Blues have played 51 seasons in the NHL. They have only missed the playoffs nine times, which is incredible. Since 1967. 1967, they've only missed the playoffs nine times. Nine times. Most of them were pretty recent, actually. They missed uh, two right. years ago. i to think it's been in our lifetime in memory. Yes, and then they missed twice. In the early 2000s? In the early 2000s, and then scattered throughout uh, the uh, millennial, I guess. I don't know. Um, a lot of early mm-hmm. early exits. Yes. Round one or round two. Round one or round two. They are uh, the equivalent... Okay, for those of you who may not understand the... They're basically like a college football team who's just happy to get into a bowl. Right? They're happy with um, eight or nine wins a season and then just getting into a bowl. Just getting some sort of national recognition so the recruits come. Right. Um, but... Now they keeps have the fans, keeps the fans happy. Yeah, they always have at least a, a playoff game or two to look forward to. And, right, you know, that, but they're I, still hungry for more. They're hungry right? for more. Uh, hopefully, they don't go the Tennessee Volunteers route where they fire three coaches. But uh, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll like, get on we'll get on football later. But um, I mean, it kind of went that way <laughs> from Ken Hitchcock to Mike Yo. Yep. To now. I don't even know. We're trying to. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know the coach's name now. It but, doesn't matter. It really doesn't because Stanley Cup champion, whoever you are. Yeah, exactly. St- unknown, <laughs> unknown name. Stanley Cup champion. Uh, our, our stat team did a lot of a lot of planning. Uh, Craig Craig Berube. Craig Berube. Of course, of course. Captain, the, the coach of the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, the 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 famous Craig Berube. I always wondered the St. Louis Blues. Ken Hitchcock did a great job getting them. Well, I would always say that he did a good job getting them to be a playoff contender but now knowing the stats that they've been a playoff team Mm -hmm. i don't know if i think that kind of diminishes the legacy i had in my mind of him i mean because they were getting there and then 
He he made the playoff. He brought that team to the playoffs a lot of times, and sure. ultimately, it's kind of up to the players whether what they do with it or not. But then again, part of the responsibility lies on the coach. Mm-hmm. You have to motivate. You have to inspire your players. It doesn't all come from the locker room. It starts at the top. Right. Um, here's something interesting. In their first three seasons as a team, they advanced all the way to the Cup final. Right. And they lost. Three times. Right. Twice to the Montreal Canadiens, and here's the kicker, once to the Boston Bruins. Correct. Who they beat. Right. In six games. Yep. Many years later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're just kind of going to go back from the very beginning, and by the very beginning, I mean two years ago. So, the year prior, they had made it to the second round of the playoffs... And were defeated by the Nashville Predators in six games. Okay? Fast forward next season. Comes down to one game within with the Colorado Avalanche. Who's going to play the Nashville Predators in the first round? The President Trophy's winner. Sure. They come down to one game. And Colorado beats them 5-2. to two, And the Blues miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So what did the Blues management management does they go and they find they re-sign david perron they trade uh vladimir saboka and two others for ryan o'reilly in buffalo they bring on hometown hero pat maroon right and they acquired tyler bozak completely rebuilding Mm -hmm. their center depth correct i mean you can have a great winger like Tarasenko, but unless you have a guy who can consistently win faceoffs and get Tarasenko the puck, it's not going to work. Right. So, we talked about that in earlier earlier episodes. Hockey is that that where you need the depth. Mm-hmm. You can't have one or two stars mm-hmm. leading. They can't. They physically cannot lead the whole because they're only out there for thirty to forty seconds. Right. A shift. Mm-hmm. And they signed Pat Maroon to solidify the bottom six, but Ryan O'Reilly and Tyler Bozak. Those are the two big pickups. They, I think they acquired Bozak from uh, Toronto. And I definitely know that O'Reilly was in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Okay? In the first month of the season, they are 3-5-3. Three, three. That's nine points in... In a month. 11 games. Yeah. That's awful. Right? And then they get about midway through November... And they fire Mike Yo because mm-hmm. he was the problem, right? That's the first coming to Jesus moment. Sure. Okay. They go six and eight and zero oh in November. Only twelve points, so that's twenty-one points in two months of hockey. Okay. Go about midway through December. You got Robert Bertuzzo and Zach Sanford throwing hands. At practice. At practice. Yeah. Not an uncommon thing. No. No, no, no. But, still. From an outside perspective looking in, the team is struggling, and you have two high-caliber players just squaring off squaring in the middle off. of practice. So now you wonder what that's doing to the dynamic overall. To the chemistry. The whole team. I mean, it would... If you're it, fighting each other in a practice gearing up for a game. It, it, it generally, that doesn't transfer well. To what that nice performance is going to be. This was following a six to one, a home six to one loss against the Canucks. Yeah, and the Canucks are not a good hockey team. No, they've been consistently 
bottom five. Right. Th- this team, as of uh, December 10th, 2018, is garbage. Mm-hmm. Literal hot garbage. Dead last. Dead last in the league um, with no sign of getting any better. Right. Okay? And you've got to think that the Blues management has to be kicking themselves because they reinvented the team. And now it's just all on fire. And now it's just all crumbling before their very eyes. That's... Eh, okay. Anyways. And then they finish December with a 6-6-1 six, six and one record. So only 13 points. So you got 9 points, you have 12 points, and then you have 13 points. Right. 34 points through three months of hockey. Yeah. Not even at the halfway point. Not even at the halfway point. It is clear that something needs to change. And then, in January, they bring up an average AHL goaltender. Yeah. Who'd had uh, just around 200 starts throughout minors and junior play. Yep. And he had played in one game. In 2016, where he allowed three goals, just he, Jordan Bennington, was quite frankly the last possible solution. Okay? They're just just looking to bring something back into the lineup. Right. They're trying to spark something. Right. Because it is a tactic, because you can have the guys on the ice knowing, okay, we've got a fourth string goalie, essentially coming into play. Right. We have to help this kid out. Mm-hmm. He's 25 years old. He's played, like you said, one game prior to this mm-hmm. little stint now yeah. that he's getting called up for. And with that, we're going to take a little quick break because this is such a good story. We'll have more on Jordan Bennington very soon. And we want to just really drive home how fantastic of a narrative this Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Once again, this is Puck Talk with Spider Jack and Axe on 91.5 FN WGRE. If I can find the promo, there it is. Hi, this is Mike Love of the Beach Boys. We're always picking up good vibrations on 91.5 WGRE, your sound alternative. And now we're right back to it. Welcome back, hockey fans. (laughs) I think he might not have felt this way at the start, but eventually, Jordan Bennington's feeling all the good vibrations, right? Absolutely. So, so we, he's he's called up. He's called up. Jake Allen. Jake the Snake. Yep. Is the starting goaltender for uh, St. Louis. Yep. And, and Jake he, Allen's been around there. They've had a couple different um, goalie tandems that have come back and forth in the lineup. But Jake the Snake, that's the rock, he's, right? That's he's your, been that, there. That, that, that's their guy. He's your guy. He's They have picked him, correct. Oh, my gosh. Just, there were some times watching his games where I thought, wow, that is a fantastic save. And then there are other times where it's just like, that goal should not have been allowed. That goal shouldn't have happened. Yeah. So what do they do? They just throw Bennington in in a throwaway game. And he gets the win. And you know what? In January, they finally post a winning record for the month with 7-4-1. Momentum. 
15 points. Yeah. Okay. Right. Better than all the other months. Right. Doesn't write off the other things just yet. No, it but absolutely okay. does not. Maybe maybe we can at least make this a season where maybe we can get to 500. Maybe we can maybe we can claw our way back to right. Something, not last. something respectable. Right. Yeah. And then February, they turn on the afterburners. 11-1-1 in the month of February with 23 points. Headed by Jordan Bennington. Right. In March, they go 8-4-2. and In April, they go 3-0-1. Yeah. In a division where nobody wanted to step up and take the title, they stormed their way back into the playoffs for a third-place finish in the Central Division, and they face Winnipeg in the first round. Jordan Bennington is going to play just about 32 games in that back half. Right. He's going to post really a 24-5 and record. Mm-hmm. He must make a few starts and then get pulled or something happens. But on, on paper, they're giving him 24 wins and five losses in that stretch. So there, there's oh. your anchor. And, there's, and there's your momentum turner. Five shutouts. Right. Five shutouts right. and 30 games started. Yeah. That's one a sixth loss. of his games. Yeah. He posted a shutout. Right. He's going to have just right around a uh, goal against average of 189. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty respectable. Just shy of two goals a game mm-hmm. against. His save percentage is going to be nine, .927. So, when outstanding. You're, when, you're, when you're a rookie goalie and you're above .9, that's, that's a pretty good sign. That pretty... They, that your team's going to be pretty good, going to be safe for a little while. Yep. Uh, to put this into perspective, just now that we've run all the way through, before we right. get into Haven't the talk got... of the playoffs, yep. before we get there, pre Mike Yo mm-hmm. firing, they were seven ten and three. Post he, they went thirty eight eighteen and six. Nice. So the coaching change right definitely helped. Uh, pre practice fight, they were ten fifteen and four. Post practice fight, they were 35, 13, and 5. Message was sent. Message was sent. Pre Jordan Bennington, they were 16, 20, and 4. And this is the most remarkable stat to me. Post Jordan Bennington, they were 29, 8, and 5. That's incredible. 25 year old goalie had played one game prior, mm-hmm. had very inconsistent play. Throughout the majors and the mi- or minors and juniors, because mm-hmm. he's drafted in 2011. Jordan Bennington is drafted in 2011 as a third round mm-hmm. draft pick. So this is purely a developmental goalie. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be those one you know, and that's that's not the norm anyway. This is not flurry, right? You don't right. just bring him in, correct? You don't have a yeah. It's not an instant. So I mean, what really what you're looking at since 2011, you have seven to eight years of consistent goalie development for Jordan Bennington. And he hasn't taken it seriously. No, he hasn't. He has uh, struggled with alcohol issues. Right. There was some very controversial tweets. Yeah. During his stint in the juniors and the minors, and mm-hmm. and he got in serious trouble for it. Yeah. And yeah, I I don't know if he had to go to rehab for that alcohol issue. I don't think he did. Yeah. But but it was a concern for any team looking to bring this guy up. Absolutely. They're like okay, he can keep having fun and burning out in the minors. He's, He's a liability. Correct. He's a liability on paper. Yeah. But the metamorphosis happens in the last two summers. Right on cue with what you teed up about the team has been rebuilding. 
Meanwhile, Jordan Bennington is rebuilding as well. He's spending his summers mm-hmm. working with goalie coaches. He's doing a lot up in Toronto. He's now now he's actually working out five to six days a week, whereas before the weight room was like a dungeon to him. Right, and he's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, he's working with some serious goalie development people. One of which is now um, a goalie development specialist for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. And these those two years, he's getting getting kind of that goalie swagger back during that stint. The way we talked about, mm-hmm. where he's where he's hot yeah. in, the, in the spring, mm-hmm. he's building his confidence and he's gaining the respect of those veterans around him. Mm-hmm. He's making saves on Connor McDavid. He's stopping Tyler Tyler Sagan, top scorers and top ten players in the league, and he's feeling that confidence that no, he isn't just going to be that this interim stint for the Blues. He's no, here to hang. He's for here a to bit. stay. Yeah. Right, and Jake the Snake Allen is bumped to the number two spot. Right, and but you have Jordan Bennington is the guy. He's the guy that they rally around. Also, something else that you don't really think about: they picked up a new goal song. Correct, Gloria. Right, right around the time that you're talking about. In February. In February, they picked up a new goal song. Every time they scored, they played Gloria. Yeah. So the guys, uh, a lot of the Blues rosters hanging out in Philly. They're watching the NFC wildcard game. They're at some bar. Mm-hmm. And in commercial breaks between the NFC wildcard game, it was the Bears game, um, the DJ's playing Gloria. And there's some other people at the bar, and they're loving it. They're saying, keep playing Gloria. Play it on repeat. Right. And the team's like, okay, this is kind of funny. Let's <laughs> let's play Gloria, too. <laughs> so then Play Gloria became that galvanizing force for the locker room. It became the team's locker room song after every win. And, of course, it became the, the stadium. Fans, the, fans the, stadium. Em- the fans embraced it. And now I think it's made that permanent mark and will continue to be played in St. Louis on loop on repeat. We tried finding it to start the show. They well, don't have it. Hopefully we can they have Gloria have for you it. at some point. So all tr- those Blues fans out there play Gloria in your head and your mind and your heart. Cuz we know you've been playing it on repeat all summer long. Okay, they have I we have to play PSAs at every 15 minutes. I will have a minute 20 to try and find. Maybe I was just looking in the wrong place. But maybe that's the way that we end the show. We're going to have... Because you need to experience it if you haven't already. It is such a fantastic song away from the... uh, Just away from the blues itself. It's such a... Just an ironically amazing song. Yeah, for those of you, we're talking about the Laura Brannigan hit from 1982. That Gloria. Play... Just... Can you picture yourself? You're in a bar... Your team is finally starting to get back and playing the hockey that they know how to play. And this song, of all songs, play. This is what catches that spark. It, it, it blows my mind. Right. Anheuser-Busch will make a Gloria brew just for the summer after they win. <laughs> I went on a brewery tour this summer and saw it. It's a giant, giant tank, and they put, like, giant headphones on it. And in that room where they're brewing it, they're playing Gloria on loop. Something to, to help that beer. It's such a great mature. song. Anyways, and then 
So those, that's that's one of those little things, little storylines that go into it. And then the the big the big uh, obviously the big storyline here uh, with with the playoffs is uh, Little Miss Layla Anderson, the eleven year old from St. Louis, suffering from a light auto, autoimmune disease. Uh, I'm gonna try this, and this is the legitimately the first time I'm ever reading. Hey, this. I butchered those Russian names last week. <laughs> Let me not be the only one. No, I'll try it. Um, Hemophagocytic lymphohistocytosis. So it's a life-threatening. Oh, it was perfect, flawless. <laughs> so it's a life-threatening autoimmune disease, and, and Miss Layla Anderson instantly becomes the hero. Of Colton Pareko specifically. Yes. Oh, yeah. Colton Pareko. He is the guy who holds the cup and lets Layla Anderson kiss it twice, just like all the other players. Right. Okay. She gets to celebrate with the team when they eventually go on to win the Stanley Cup. But they are bringing her to home games. They fly her out. The series went to Game 7, and they make sure her and her mother are flown out to Boston to be there when they win the cup. So Layla has been part of the celebration. The fans know her. The whole city of St. Louis is rallying with her, and the Blues are making sure that she is part of this magic. Just to, just the backstory, right? And I promise we'll get into the playoffs here in just a second. Uh, we'll probably get to it after the half-hour news. But we're getting excited here and getting thrown off because this is you have an it's, amazing there's goalie. There's so many stories. The and that's the cool thing about hockey. I think when these teams win, you learn more and more about all these little things where you're like, of course they were gonna win. Of course. Look look at all these things. Look at how terrible the situation <laughs> looked. And they've formed this community, this relationship with fans. They're playing for each other. We talked about that a few weeks ago, where you can see when teams this St. Louis Blues team had no business being there. Because you talked about the history. There were many other teams, the TJ Oshie years, other teams that you thought, okay, this team could definitely win a cup. Exactly. And then, but that never no, was they, on the radar never, for this team. Never. Absolutely not. Here's the deal. She met Golden Colton Pareko during an event at the Children's Hospital in Halloween, right, in St. Louis. And oh my gosh, lo and behold, our guest shows up almost 27 and a half minutes late, Coach Allen. Hockey fans, we've got a guest, celebrity guest in the room. Are you kidding me? That's fantastic. We got him. We got him. What's up, fellas? How we doing? Holy Sorry I'm moly. late. Oh, hey, you're good. Sorry I'm late. Coach I wasn't going to throw you under the bus. Well, Spider Jack did. <laughs> That's for sure. He sure did. I'm going to show up 27 and a half minutes late to practice. Perfect. Heard it here first. Just another oh. great storyline. He finally showed up. So we have just run through the history. We've run through the narrative. We've run through basically everything. We're going to start talking about the playoffs at the half hour. But thank you, Coach Allen, for finally joining us. Layla Anderson, right? That's that's another huge storyline. We were talking about just the for the Blues. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at a team, rookie goalie story, incredible fan story, those connections and how looking back on it, you're like, of course this team can win. No question. She, okay, this is so great. She attends Game 3 of the Western Conference Final against the Sharks, and she is cleared by her doctor 
after four months of having to stay in the house, she gets she is cleared for one game. And then she's flown up to Boston. This is such a great story. Okay? I love... I, I, I hate that it is the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> that, easy, Jack. That all, the, that all these great things happen. But like you said, Ben, with everything that happened, of course this team was going to win the Stanley Cup Final. Of course. Of course the team that is last place in the league, not just their division, the league, claws their way back on an average AHL goaltender off of a very repetitive 80s song and Mm -hmm. a kid with a disease that I'm not even going to try to pronounce again. They rally around these three things and claw their way back to the final. And Layla has a great quote in this article I'm looking at. I never doubted. She said, even when they were in last place, I still thought there was a chance. And her new friends, the guys who were skates and are now champions, they're more than just hockey players. She said, hockey players are different people. They're from heaven. That doesn't warm your heart. I don't know what will. All right. It is 1130. We're going to take a about a minute and a half break, and then we're going to get right back into this. Once again, this is Puck Talk with Spider Jack, Axe, and now Coach Allen on 91.5 FN WGRE. Remember DePaul, highlighting some of our important history and extraordinary alumni. On May 6th, 1909, it was announced in the DePaul school newspaper, the DePaul Daily, that 10 DePaul students had formed Sigma Delta Chi, a fraternity for journalism and journalists. An honorary fraternity, the organization took a firm stance on supporting a truthful and honorable press. By instilling and ingraining these values, DePaul's own archivist, Wes Wilson, has more. It was uh, showed the professionalism of the print media here at DePaul from an early time. The fact that students gathered and were thinking outside of the campus broadly about uh, professionalism and journalism to start an organization. Not long after its founding, the fraternity spread to many other campuses, ultimately becoming a national institution. Renamed in 1988 to the Society of Professional Journalists, it is to this day a national player in the realm of journalism, continuing to instill its ethical and empowering press-related mottos. Welcome back. We are here talking about the St. Louis Blues with a Blues hyperfan, Coach Allen. Coach Allen, have you been a uh, St. Louis Blues fan your whole life? Entire life, Jack. Okay, so we mentioned prior that the Blues have only missed the playoffs nine times in 51 seasons. So you're accustomed to at least seeing one or two series beyond 82 regular season games. What was it like seeing the Blues go from last place to the final? Not just winning the final, but just getting there. Well, I think uh, it was awesome, number one. It was great for the city of St. Louis and the fan base. And, you know, ever since the the Rams left town uh, a few years back, the city was was having a, lo- a rough go. So the, the, the Blues and what they did for that city economically and just 
brought life back in the downtown mm-hmm. was, was great. Um, and obviously the storylines, as you said, with Layla Anderson and the team being in last place and firing uh, Yo and then hiring Chief and letting him take over and Barube, what he did was, was unbelievable with that run towards the end of the year. So I think a lot of credit has to go to him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading a story Tarasenko was struggling, and he was complaining about minutes. and And uh, this was in the Post Dispatch, St. Louis newspaper. And Tarasenko went in the Chiefs' office and was like, "Hey, what? Um, how come I'm not, you know, getting enough ice time? I need more ice time." He's like, "Well, score some goals, and I'll play more. I'll play you more." <laughs> and um, but then he said, "If you're not going to score goals, then you gotta you gotta mix it up a little bit. You gotta my play my style of hockey, which yeah. they end up." playing a little old school dump and chase and started getting right. physical, which I thought was the difference. And I think that's what Barube brought to that team was they just brought a physical mentality and they just beat you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh you missed you missed a little bit of it. Um two years ago, you the Blues are facing the Avalanche in a deciding game on the eighty second game of that 2017-2018 season, whether or not the Avalanche or the Blues are going to make it into the playoffs. They lose 5-2. to two. So management trades away Vladimir Saboka, re-signs David Perron, brings on Pat Maroon, Ryan O'Reilly, and Tyler Bozak, solidifying your top three centermen, right? And then it just all went to hell in the first half of the season. But then you look at the last half of the season and you see that Ryan O'Reilly is the leading point getter with 77 points. What was your take on Ryan O'Reilly? I mean, was he making the was he the difference maker? Without a doubt. I mean, just that guy just has it in all phases of the game. He's tough, he's physical, he can score, he can pass, he's a great leader. I mean, you look what what he did, you know, on and off the ice in the community. Like that's your ultimate team captain. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, all those pieces. The big rig doing what he did on that one year contract, <laughs> St. Louis native, making it count. Yeah, man, scoring number seven in game seven. Right. Um, instantly becomes the hero. Yeah, he instantly wasn't the hero. I mean, you talk about a St. Louis the, fans are getting the tattoo. No question. <laughs> Um, there were three twenty goal score, three twenty plus goal scores this year. Obviously, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and then Perron. Right. I mean, in terms of goal production, it was so evenly balanced from line to line that it almost made perfect sense that they would eventually find their way into the playoffs. And speaking of the playoffs, I have. The hero of round one going to Jaden Schwartz. Oh, without a doubt. Hat trick in game six. Play, yep. I mean, facing the Winnipeg Jets, who held the Central Division lead for a very, very long time until the Predators finally overcame. Coach, I have always said if the Blues and the Preds and the Jets had maybe three or four more games left to play, the Blues probably would have won the Central Division. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to look back and, and you know, see, you know, make make statements like that. 
Spider Jack. But <laughs> at the end of the day, settle. Man, it's it's like settle yeah. down. You, you are free to hot take on this show well, as you please. I just think coach you know, doesn't like to deal in speculation. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's it's all about the end result, man. And, and we got the cop. I'm not going to look back and speculate on anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, that. Oh, well, that's interesting. That's respectable. Jaden Schwartz is a guy that you would have to follow to know. He, uh, uh, putting this into perspective, he'd be like a, a Colton Sissons for me. right? You wouldn't know about him unless you knew the team and followed the team. What Was Schwartz just in the right place at the right time? Was he just saving this? Like, How did he become the leading goal-getter in the playoffs for the Blues? He's really good. He's ah, fast. Okay. He's yeah. talented. Okay. That's why. Yeah. And you talk about being opportunistic. That guy has a knack to put the biscuit in the basket. Yeah. And he proved that. <laughs> he also has a habit of if he does score, he's going to tally it up. Not just one. He's got he yeah. has several hat tricks in the regular season. Did he now? Yeah. No, he at least. I'm trying to think of when when the postseason actually started, but it looks like he had three hat tricks in the regular season, all all of which happened in that back half that you already talked about, Jack. Really? In, in that str- yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. He had a, he had one hat trick against Edmonton and a seven two win. He had another one later in April against the Winnipeg Jets, and then a, I think just before the end of the regular season against San Jose in a final five zero win. But he put three in on there. Wow. So the trend is there, and he. The cool thing about Jaden Schwartz is he kept that momentum mm-hmm. and brought those hat tricks with him. It was able to tally up in the postseason. Yeah, he's got one of my hats. <laughs> <laughs> were you in? Were you in? No, you weren't. Why are you messing I, with me like that? I was that? in St. Louis. He's got one for Game Seven against the Sharks. Okay, I was in town um, with my uh, my buddies. The the Cardinals and the Reds were playing. Or no, I'm sorry, the Phillies. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of my buddies coached for the Phillies, so drove to St. Louis. Just so happened that it was Game Seven of the Blues game, so we went to the Cardinal game to watch them play the Phillies, and then uh, went out afterwards um, to a restaurant, and we were um, yeah glued to the TV for Game Seven when the Big Rig put it in the back of the net. And <laughs> nice. The whole city of St. Louis just went bananas. Yeah, and um, as they say, the rest is history. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know they. What's weird is that. Every analyst on the NHL Network, almost every analyst, when the Blues advanced to a round and to the next round and the next round, they always said that they would lose. They they predicted the Jets would sure. beat the and Blues. They, yeah. Then they predicted that, um, I believe, the Stars would beat the Blues, then the Sharks, and then the Bruins. Just based off statistics alone. Right? And... They come up big in six games against Winnipeg, and then they come up huge in that second round. Pat Maroon, baby. Overtime winner. Game seven. He had posted three goals in that series, and one of them was that big one. What was that like from a fan's perspective? Just unbelievable, especially knowing the background, the story Mm -hmm. of him being from St. Louis and... Doug Armstrong, when when Pat was trying to to decide whether or not to come to St. Louis, Doug Armstrong was was he, he was playing hardball with Maroon. He um, he thought he was out of shape. 
thought he was at the end of his career on a decline. Um, so he challenged Maroon, and Maroon almost walked away from signing with the Blues for that one-year contract. But um, the family was so important, um, his son. And then just to have the opportunity to, like you said, to score the, the game winner in overtime in Game 7 and, and be a Stanley Cup champ and bring the cup back for his day to St. Louis and to All-American Sports where it all began for him growing up and, and just, you know, it, it, eating toasted ravs out of the, the cup and... You know, whatever. That's right. Else. He did have. You know, he did have all those bites passed around. <laughs> yeah, no question. So yeah, I mean, it's just a great story, and you know, unfortunately, he's not back for another year. But right. but that's part of the business. Mm-hmm. Had seven seven points in the 2018-2019 playoffs, all of which came up big. He he scored when it mattered. Yeah, that's all that. I mean, that's all that you can ask for from a guy like Maroon. Maroon is now with the Lightning. And he's going to do the same thing for the Lightning. He's going to solidify their bottom six. I can. I think that that's a lateral move for Maroon. You're just going from one championship contender team to the next. Yeah. So just the next team <laughs> has been favored. Oh, <laughs> we, we've we've touched on that, and I I think the Lightning we'll fans have been beaten down quite enough. I don't think oh. we need to yeah. get in on that. But they survived the hurricane. We'll see if. Uh, <laughs> See what happens on this next one. Yeah, and but seriously, like that series was going back in the between the Stars and the Blues. That series was back and forth. You're talking about two teams that remade themselves before the latter half of the season. I mean, two teams that looked. I mean, the Stars were obviously in a much better position, but there were still a lot of issues. With both teams, and they, I, I can't really, the Stars pretty much flipped their entire game plan to, instead of score more goals than the other team, to protect the crease and be physical on the boards. Sure. And, you know, that's why they beat Nashville in that first round. But then you bring a team like the Blues on, and the Blues have a very similar style of play. Coach Alec had attested that. They're very physical. I mean, Jamie Benn closing down the boards, protecting uh, Ben Bishop, mm-hmm. but St. Louis native, by the way, yeah. Chaminade High School, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Probably the greatest high school in the history of the world. <laughs> Just produces athlete after athlete, whether it's hockey or basketball <laughs> or baseball. Um, yeah, yeah, great. They the Stars had a three to two lead. On St. Louis and St. St. Wow, St. Louis. St. Louis wins the claws, last two claws games. Claws their way back, yeah. Claws their way back. One at home and one on the road. They beat. In a dramatic double OT. Double winner. OT, Pat Maroon, hometown boy. There are just so many things. There's so many storylines. So many, of course, moments. I feel like it's a, a double OT is almost a requirement anymore. To be uh, then become a cup winner. Oh yeah, because it, it makes me think back to uh, the 2017 Penguins run. Oh yeah, you've mentioned that before. Man, With the bomb from Chris Kunitz, Crosby on the backhand feet. Man, I gotta say that that was one of those goals you just saw coming. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I just I was watching that game. Um, I believe that was in early May, wasn't it? So I was which, about which game? 
the game seven with the stars. Yes, I yeah, believe yeah, that would have been May May seventh. I was about to graduate high school when I watched. Oh that yeah, game. that's right. When I watched that game, and that was so deflating because this was the last team that I had expected or wanted to advance to the Western Conference Final. The Stars? No, the Blues. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did not want the Blues to make it. Gotcha. And I guess that's why they won, because everybody was <laughs> rooting against them. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to have to run some polls for that Yeah, uh, it doesn't statement. hurt once I get back from the concussion, but we got to take a minute break here, but we will be right back with Puck Talk on 91.5 FM WGRE. April 28, 1949, WGRE signs on the air, and for the next seven decades, the music never stops. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the formal opening of WGRE. Where did you get that cute look? You look great. Well, thank you, fellas. Oh, 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 me clothes. Hold me tight. Make me thrill. Oh, with divine. Go and throttle up. great DJs than you can shake a stick at. After 70 years, one thing is certain. We're just getting warmed up. 915. 91.5. WGRE. Your sound alternative. What a promo. Welcome back. And we are once again talking with the Blues. And before we get on the Blues, just a little bit of NHL news. Joe Thornton. Jumbo Joe. Returning for one more season in San Jose. One more stint. The beloved veteran returns. I okay. It's like that, that. That's to be expected. I mean, you can't send him off to like I don't know, New Jersey or something. Right. He's not going to go. No, he's not. He's he, going to retire before just, he leaves the. Just one the more season. Just one more to get it going. But yeah. maybe he and Brent Burns can get it done. <laughs> but uh, round three, I got Jaden Schwartz as the hero. Because that hat trick in Game 5, the series was tied 2-2, two to two, and then St. Louis comes out, defeats San Jose 5 to nothing. I mean, that's the killing stroke for San Jose. Bye-bye, Jumbo Joe. No cup for you. Nope. Um, but maybe next year. Maybe next year, because now you're back. Um, but yeah, Schwartz with that hat trick in Round 3 pushes St. Louis into the final. Right. Okay. They're back. They're back After for the 40, first forty plus years for the first time since their first three seasons. Yep, 
and they lost to the Boston Bruins in their last in their Stanley last Cup one, final. Which also is just meant to be. Right? It's meant to be. You have that storyline. People are bringing, are digging from the archives <laughs> and finding those headlines. Of, right. Because they were swept, right? Was it the... I, I'm not, not sure the okay. actual details of the series. All I know is that they lost. Right. So, you get to game one, and you just think right away, oh, the Blues have got this. I mean, this Boston had no problem going through Carolina with uh, that sweep. But, yeah, yeah St. Louis just gets right on the board. one nothing, 2 to nothing, thanks to Braden Shin and Vladimir Tarasenko. But then... That huge hit from Tory Krug, where he's just manhandled in front of the goaltender. Tory Krug skates down the ice, finds the nearest Blues victim, and knocks him straight on his butt. Right. And then they score four unanswered. A lot of them were power play goals, right? Mm -hmm. Comes back, and then the Blues lose the first game. Second game. Meanwhile, though, in that first game, while it's a 4-2 loss, Jordan Bennington is not cracking under pressure. Not not substantially. I mean, some of the goals that he allowed were not necessarily his fault. No. No, he can't get around Zdeno Chara. Sean Corrali, go Nobody ahead. Nobody can get around Zdeno no. Chara. Not even. <laughs> so it's not. It's not enough. It's oh not enough gosh. to worry. No, I'm just. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but that's for another day. Um, then they come back, St. Louis, and get that overtime winner. How many overtimes did St. Louis have to win, Coach Allen? Do you know that? I'm looking. I do not know that, Jack. Okay. All right. Do you know that? Can you tell me? No, but I do know that they had to win in overtime in Game 2 in Boston, which that's a hard place to win, right? I think the Blues play three overtime games, one of which is that double OT we talked about. Mm -hmm. They only have one one OT game against Boston. Yeah, and that's Game 2, and they come back and they win it, and, you know... It's, it looked like Boston had the momentum. Right. St. Louis comes right back. Charlie Coyle. Most of the scoring happened in the first period. Robert Bortuzzo and Vladimir Tarasenko notched the two goals, but Charlie Coyle and uh, Joachim Nordstrom. So it's 2-2 two to two in the first period. No goals through the second and third. And then you have Carl Gunnarsson. Wins it, no T, for game two. Game three, a dramatic one. Seriously. This is going to be the 7-2 final. This is the first home game for St. Louis in the Stanley Cup final, and they lose 7-2 on home ice. 7-2. The Blue, the Bruins go on a score fest. Right. Tallying up three in the first, mm-hmm. three in the second, and two more in the third. So... None it's, of which were empty netters. No. It's obvious that Bennington was rocked a little bit. Just rocked a little bit. And what does Bennington do? He replies with a game two days later by excuse me, only allowing two goals. So they limited Boston's explosion. Right. Get a home ice win. Mm-hmm. Go back to Boston, win game five, and then Boston goes back back to St. Louis and beats them down again. You just don't know which way this series no, is going to go. They're exchanging blows. And then finally, 
Game seven. It's going to go the distance. For a team that relied on their power play all season long and all throughout the playoffs, the Bruins had no response to the Blues' five-on-five play. I mean, it was no whistles. No, I think Boston had maybe one chance on the power play. But it's just back-and-forth hockey, huge blows, long periods with no whistles, just wide open. Yeah. And And, and Boston, Boston's going to tally that one goal. Just to make it sure that it's not a shutout. Just in the final final three or four minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, it is a 4-0 Blues route to the final. Right. To the Cup. And I remember where I was. They I know was, Layla Anderson's in the stands. Le- that's right. And they didn't fire out here just to sit. <laughs> She's going to be celebrating. <laughs> she has to celebrate. Exactly. I wonder about if Boston had their own Layla Anderson. It would have been a really close game. I don't know. Who's to say they didn't? <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, but they wouldn't have we made just, the headlines. We just don't. It. Yeah. It just, oh, you that's just don't, so sad. You just don't hear about it. Oh, come on, Ben. It's the cup, it's the cup <laughs> that makes it into the story. Who's who's the worst fans? Bruin fans mm. or Yankee fans? Like in all of just sports in general. I Yankee gotta fans say, or Bruins? Because Bruin fans are kind of bush. They're well, bush league. They sat around... Cubs, the uh, the Cubs getting passed around by the Blues players, the organization, and the Bruins fans are sticking around just booing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, yeah. Booing and booing. It's yep. like go home. Right. You lost. Yeah. Go yeah. home. Yeah. Well, that's some how I pe- feel about Yankee fans. Some people. I don't think that's have, a fair comparison. Some people don't have the the life perspective of a coach that you do. Some people just don't understand that it's over. There's no going back. There's no strapping on the skates or the cleats one more time. Once you lose, you're done. Some people just don't understand that. But so many things finally come back full circle because what are they playing over the PA when they're holding up the cup? They're playing Gloria. They sure are. They're playing Gloria. Coach, how often did you play Gloria this summer? A lot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Play on repeat, Blues fans. Y98 played Gloria, I want to say four or five days, uh, 24 hours straight (laughs) over the course of the playoffs. (laughs) So when I was making some trips to St. Louis, I would just put it on Y98 FM and. You get the next 10 hours. Every every word, every. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Unbelievable. And you don't get tired of it, do you? No. 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 Because it just puts you right back where you were when you were watching that Game 7 game. And Layla Anderson kissed the cup twice. They tried to get her name on the Stanley Cup. Right, right. I mean, the impact that this little girl had on that on Colton Pareko specifically, but that team. But the team then, yeah. And she becomes the mascot. Right. The and hero then, of the Blues. And then I believe O'Reilly won the Conn Smythe, right? think so right jordan bennington allows one goal in that final in that final game and he notches in his 16th win 16th to win. set the rookie record right winning I, all 16 <laughs> winning all 16 unbelievable. games not jake the snake yeah unbelievable. now the bar is set high for well, Jordan Bennington. I don't know how you match that. Right. I, I don't know how you match. Because um, Matt Murray ran into a similar stint, being a 23-year-old two-time cup winner. 
well, and then uh, then it's tough for that rookie goalie to start there, and then you have that expectation, and no, there's no more goalie development. While there still can be, people now think, no, you're a cup winner. You, you should have it all figured out. Yep. Cam Ward was mm-hmm. in this similar situation. Exactly. Started, won the started cup his first, won first, the cup year. first year. And, and the next 13, nothing. Nothing. Do you think that Cam, uh, Jordan Bennington is the next Cam Ward? No, I don't. I don't think Berube will allow that. I don't think that culture, that organization will allow that. I think it's just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just different. And he's got a few more years than those other goalies that we mentioned. Well, Jake the Snake is on a four-year... I love that name, by the way, Jake the Snake. Jake, J- Jake the Snake is on a four-year, $17,400,000 contract. A backup goaltender. What's your take on that? It's like being a backup quarterback. Best mm. job in football, you know? Best job in <laughs> hockey. They're probably playing a lot of golf. He'll, yeah, he'll play 20 or 30 games, maybe, Yeah, this year. and That's great. Take some of the pressure off when needed. I mean... I kind of have a problem with that. I have a little bit of a problem with paying some guy. I mean, that's just four and a half million dollars on the bench, doing nothing, taking notes, wearing a wearing a ball cap, throwing his stick to the fans. I kind of got a problem. I I would have a little bit of a problem with that. Is there another goaltender that the Blues could possibly get at a cheaper price? Nothing. Hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, no names come to mind. But anyways, but if they have the cap space, why? Where is their cap situation right now? You know, they can, they'll figure out what they need to do this year. I mean, uh, there's probably a guy in some roller hockey <laughs> league. <laughs> yeah, what, isn't that where Bennington came from? Wasn't he doing some roller hockey stuff? I'm pretty much, sure, pretty much, something like that. Briefed um, in the ECHL. Credit to the, the scouting uh, department. The Kal- Kalamazoo <laughs> Wings, I believe. <laughs> He was known then just for his helmet. He had a uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air helmet at the Kalamazoo Wings. That that was his career. And then he was his the goalie. Life got he was the and flipped upside He was down. the junior before right. before the Cup champ. <laughs> he was the player in the juniors that had a really cool goalie helmet. What a sto- What a narrative that the Blues were able to do all of this. And, and rings rings coming their way. Coach Allen, this is a great way to end. They were last place in January. They had a coach firing. They had a publicized practice fight. And they had an unknown goaltender just carry the team all the way. What was it like just watching everything unfold? Beating teams like the Lightning and the Predators and other teams that were projected to win the Cup. Having... All of the odds stacked against them, and they just dug their skates into the ice, for lack of a better term, and just plowed through the league. What was it like? Because you had probably lost all hope by January. Um, He's going to say no. He he, believed. I wasn't following him as much as I was Mm. towards the end, I promise you that. I'm not afraid to jump on a bandwagon. 11-1-1 um, in February. Yeah, it was epic. It was epic. I mean, you'll remember for the rest of your life, you know, my aunts and uncles and brothers, and they're one of 400,000 people at the at the parade. Nice. I mean, you'll remember that for the rest of your life. I was watching it on my phone because I couldn't be there. Yeah. I mean, in St. Louis, like seeing that parade route, gosh, it's made made to host a championship finale to bring the, the cup to the bottom of the arch. 
No question. A gateway made for, for Lord Stanley's Cup. It was Brett, cool. Brett Hall's still celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, folks, that is all the time that we have here on Puck Talk. Coach Allen, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to get your perspective as a fan because obviously Ben and I are analysts now, so we can't say we and I. So it's great to hear. We have standards. We have morals. We (laughs) have a duty to the the listeners. But Coach Allen, thank you so much for coming on. From Axe and Spiderjack here, this is Puck Talk on 91 FM WGRE. See you next week, hockey fans. See you next week. Go Tigers. Doing damage. I'm Ben Thomas.